Everybody, good morning. It's Will with Schedulefly, and I'm really excited today to be talking to Jeremiah Higgins. I've known Jeremiah for quite a long time. Uh, he was an early customer, a very early customer of Schedulefly, and he was actually in our first restaurant own, owners and court book, which we which we self published back in uh, 2011. So it's been many years, and Jeremiah has just done. He's been in the restaurant business for a long time. He's got tons of energy. He's got tons of passion for the business uh, and has been really successful in a lot of different aspects of the business, from owning restaurants to being an advisor, managing restaurants. And uh, in fact, today, Jeremiah is president of HJL Hospitality and also of of Evolve Advisors. In addition to that, uh, he has the Jeremiah Show, which is a a radio show and a podcast, which I was on recently, which was a lot of fun. So, uh, but Jeremiah is just a great dude that I have a ton of respect for. So it's awesome to have him on. So Jeremiah, thank you for, thank you for joining today, man. Good morning, Will. Thank you for having me. So it's a real honor to be on your podcast. <laughs> well, good morning indeed, by the way, folks, it's ten fifteen my time, but Jeremiah's out there in California at seven fifteen, So he's, he's up early and at it. Um, which I imagine he is every day, but thanks for doing this early in the morning, man. Um, so get, get me, help me, take me back a little bit. And I know this story cause I, you know, we did the book, but our listeners don't. So tell me, um, just the backstory of how you got into the restaurant business, which I thought was really cool. And, um, what, how you got started. How far would you like me to go back? Well? Go on back, man. I know you've been <laughs> at it a long time, but yeah, well, it, it started for me like I imagine it starts for a lot of people in the business where it was necessity uh, to pay for school, to pay for college. So that's really how it started for me. I, there was a, and there still is, in Santa Barbara here. And in fact, I'm looking at it right now here on the ocean um, while I'm doing this interview with you. It's a little beach restaurant. It was called the Sea Cove Cafe. And it was owned by Terry Briggs, who was a famous jazz musician, and his mother, uh, who was also very, very world famous as a jazz musician, uh, Patty. And he played, uh, he had and supported jazz musicians on the beach seven days a week. So every night there was a different jazz band uh, right on the beach. It's an open air cafe. And that was my very first restaurant job. So I was a busboy. And within the year, I was the general manager of that restaurant um, at a pretty young age. I think I was 18 or 19, um, if I remember the, the, the years right. And uh, we ended up putting on the Santa Barbara Jazz Festival, which would bring in about 10,000 people on the beach. And that was really my first um, restaurant job. And I did that for about three years um, and and decided I always had a love for film. So... Um, I decided at about 23, I needed to go back to school. I wanted to go to USC film school. And, uh, or, uh, and so I, I went back to, I started working with the enterprise fish company and the Seacove cafe at the same time. And then I went to the Santa Barbara city college and, uh, pursued and got into the USC film school, but all through college, I worked at restaurants. So that was really my first restaurant job to pay for college. Let me ask you, okay, so you went from busboy to GM in a year or so. How? What, what, what were the, 
what were the qualities that you had and the, the um, skills that you had that enabled you to do that? Because that's a, that's a big leap quickly at a young age. Right. Um, I, uh, it's the same thing that I do now. It's, um, it, it could be looked at as a, um, as a plus for my business or as a, uh, I, I can't enjoy restaurants. <laughs> I just can't, you know, I go in and I, I look for things that could be improved. So I, I think I've always done that. And at the Seacove Cafe, I just looked for ways to, um, you know, improve the menus, improve, um, you know, the operations as a busboy, as a server. Um, I, I'm really big into training, you know, really good training programs. So, uh, you know, I had a really good uh, relationship with Terry Briggs and uh, helped him organize that jazz festival, uh, helped him organize his training programs. He just... I've been blessed all along my career in the restaurant business uh, with owners that have, you know, when I was an employee or a manager, the uh, owners gave me free reign. They they trusted me to make improvements and help out um, the operations. And that, you know, basically over about a 15-year period, I learned off of various owners' dime, you know. It was my uh, my culinary school training. So that's, I really just moved up with Terry uh, because I had a desire to improve the operations and, you know, I, I, I don't like uh, missteps or extra steps. Um, I, I don't like uh, to see customers uh, suffer in any way. I really think service is a lost art and, and, uh, and I try to bring that to all the projects. So but I just learned basically. And uh, as every, step as everything that I implemented, uh, started to, you know, build on the next thing. Um, Terry gave me free reign and the same thing happened with, uh, Mike and Randy at the enterprise fish company, mm -hmm. uh, which was really, you know, um, really how I think this, the career started for me where I made it a career, made it a life, uh, my life's work so far is uh, after film school every uh, i graduated in 2000 and um the at that time hollywood went on strike uh, the writers the actors the direct i mean everybody went on strike and it looked like it was going to be at least eight months and i just finished school and i of course had uh, big bills to pay at usc so i was offered a general manager job at enterprise fish company back up in santa barbara um, and I thought, I'll just go do this while, you know, while the, everybody's on strike. I was working for Alex Kitman Ho at that time at Miracle Pictures, and he produced Platoon and Wall Street. So I was with him for about three years, but everything shut down. So I came back to Santa Barbara Enterprise Fish Company as the general manager. And then that's kind of really where the story starts. Gotcha. So you came back as GM there and, uh, how long, so when did you start, because you've, you've had HJL for a while now. Tell me about this, the backstory with HJL and how you got involved in helping other businesses be successful. Sure. Uh, so just to leap real quickly to, you know, Enterprise Fish Company, as I said, I was in the film business and planned on making that my career. So th this is kind of the backstory to get you to, the, to answer your question yeah, about yeah. HJL. Um, just a, 
just quickly uh, about, you know, I was at Santa Monica Enterprise Fish Company and it wasn't doing too well. I looked at the P&Ls every week. I was a, a manager down there at the very end. And, and I know that Santa Barbara had been open, I think at that time, 25 years or so, but, but they were, they needed some help as well. And three months in, the owners both sat me down and said, no, you know, don't take this personal, but we'll probably be selling the businesses this year um, and closing. We're just not doing that well. And I said, uh, that's not going to happen. They didn't want that to happen. I said, that's not going to happen. I'm going to hit $3 million this year for you. At that point, Enterprise had never done over 2.2 in 25 years. 2.2 was their best year. So I basically took the rest of the months that I had, I broke those down to uh, to days, to weeks, to, to down to shifts, to actual shifts. And then I, I, I figured out how much money we needed to bring in every day for the rest of the year to hit $3 million and save the business. And, uh, I, I took, you know, the servers that I had on the bartenders, I divided up and gave everybody sales goals, every single shift. I told them what our goal was that we were going to save the business and hit $3 million by December 31st. Uh, the owners both kind of laughed at me and said, you know, politely, but said, okay, kid, <laughs> you know, good luck. We've yeah. never done that before, but good luck. You know, and I hit, we hit, I shouldn't say I at all. We, the entire staff and I hit uh, $3,008,000 on December 31st. So that was when I saw, you know, and I made little improvements. We had no money. Um, painted the bathrooms, you know, cleaned up the women's room, you know, put flowers in there, uh, the host stand, you know, painted the host stand, just really went through the restaurant and did what we could with paint and cleanliness. And then servers, you know, really worked on the service. And, uh, and I focused on the locals rather than the tourists. And, and at that time it was really kind of a tourist business. I think it's fair to say, you know, it was a, a seafood place that everybody came to in the summertime. And, uh, but in the winter it was a little bit slow. So, you know, worked on the happy hour and still is voted. It's the same happy hour. It's voted the best happy hour in Santa Barbara for like, I don't know, 12 years or something. So flash forward, yeah, I met Michael Sigliano, uh, who is owner of Santa Monica seafood, a, a big seafood supplier here in, in California. He, he was a salesman and he would see what he saw what happened. We basically took the business up from, uh, I don't want to give out all their numbers, but 120% for all four businesses that they owned. Hmm. Um, cause they, they soon, soon after gave me every other business to run. I was a CEO. Uh, Michael Sigliano was a salesman and uh, saw what happened. And when I left enterprise fish company, he hired me to open, uh, this flagship store in Wilsh on Wilshire Boulevard. Uh, as a director of retail, and I did that for a year, got them open and re-branded. Re, uh, and then I met Scott Liebfried, who was at that time on Hell's Kitchen. He was 12 seasons on Hell's Kitchen. He was in the store, and I recognized his voice. And I said, Michael, Michael knew him, and we were looking for a chef to redo the menu for the cafe at Santa Monica Seafood. So... Uh, I said, let's, let's have an interview with Scott. Let's get him in here. And, uh, you know, long story short, we hired him as the consulting chef to come in and revamp the menu. At that same time, I'd known Kobe Jones, uh, since 2001 or so when they first won the, the, the cup, uh, soccer championship there in, uh, LA, LA galaxy, him and I were looking for a restaurant to open together. 
So um, on the set of Kitchen Nightmares hmm. uh, in Manhattan Beach, we were in the trailer, Gordon Ramsay's trailer, and the three of us formed HJL, so it's Higgins, which is my last name, uh, Kobe, Kobe Jones, and Scott Liefried L, so it's HJL, sounds like a law firm. But that was how it all started on the set of Kitchen Nightmares in a trailer, watching uh, Lido's be revamped, that episode, Lido's. Gotcha. gotcha. 2008. Okay, so that was 2008. Okay. And what was the, what did you want to accomplish with that group? What were your goals when you set out with HJL? Uh, It's funny. um, The the goals uh, were to help, you know, I say I, I want to create a better hospitality industry. You know, that's our main goal is to, to constantly create a better, better industry, better hospitality, uh, better restaurants, better, um, you know, well-trained staff and uh, better operations basically throughout the house. You know, it, as you know, Will, restaurant owners are exhausted pretty much most of the time. That Their yeah. day starts as soon as they open their eyes and... Um, and and doesn't end until they close their eyes, and it's and it never ends. You know, well, you it may really it may start away. again in the middle of the night, though, right? <laughs> With a <laughs> yeah, that is true. freezer that breaks or whatever. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so my goal was always it's what I did at the Enterprise Fish Company is really where I learned. I think that's where I really learned operations. Uh, again, on Mike and Randy's dime, you know, they were they were they paid for my schooling basically, and they allowed me to, you know, really dig into operations. And I was always looking It's the same at the Seacove cafe. I was always looking for, um, ways to be more efficient, you know, uh, make the restaurant more efficient, mm. make the operations more efficient. You know, if there was three steps to a table, I wanted to get it down to one, you know, if there were, uh, you know, by putting things in places where it's, it's, it's like a, a chef, you know, it's muscle memory. You, you want to set up stations where they're, they're barely turning their waist. You know, they're, they're, everything is set up the same way every day. So they start to learn, you know, that the, the avocado is right there, that the tomato is right there, that the onion the sauce, uh, they don't have to turn and move too much. The same in the bar, you know, you want to set up a bar where a bartender's not running, crossing each other. All those little details helped, you know, uh, I, I basically built systems to make things more efficient and, um, and profit uh, designed a profit and loss statement that really helped management, uh, even young management understand the goals and, and, and find and pinpoint areas to become more profitable at the same time. So, um, all of these things helped in employee retention. Uh, you know, I, I really think that, that in any profession, people want to know what the goal is and what is expected of them. And, yeah. um, and so really laying out clear expectations, um, clear trainings, you know, what, what the mission is, what the goal is. And it seems to have been successful for me. Well, that, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. That, that formula, you know, is, is really, um, what has happened over the years. And, and then, and, and we've done, God, I've lost count, but I, it's between 100 and 
120 and 150 re- brand new concepts. And then I've, I, I actually did some work on Kitchen Nightmares, uh, the shows that didn't make it to air. I would work, I would go help them. Uh, Sheila Conlon, the producer, you know, got to know these people. And if they didn't make it on TV, she would try to help help them. So she would pass that to us. Um, but when we formed Ace Jail, it's kind of a funny, sto- you know, funny story about just kind of jumping out there in faith and and making things happen. Uh, when I, I, I Santa Monica Seafood, I was finished. It was intense. We did three reconcepts of of retail stores, rebranded them after one year. I I didn't sleep at all during that year. I mean, that was talk about being up all night long and, you know, working on these concepts. I, I decided to, that I was going to move on. Um, we had discussed opening HJL, but we had no clients. I, I remember driving off the lot in at Santa Monica seafood going, what am I doing? You know, I'm walking away from a pretty great paying job <laughs> for the unknown. And as I got in my car, I got a call from a gentleman in Santa Barbara who ended up, he built six restaurants in one year. We built them for him, brand new concepts, uh, and never looked back. So, like, I got the call in the parking lot. (laughs) So it all worked out, and here we are. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you, now you, um, okay, so in HJL, it was initially HJL Restaurant Advisors, now HJL Hospitality you manage restaurants for your clients, but you've also got Evolve Advisors. So tell me about the, the two businesses and um, what you do with each of those. Sure. For HCL Hospitality, uh, that is a fairly new, within the last year, a fairly new branch that we are developing. Um, HCL Hospitality came about as a need the clients you know we we would build these concepts we would set them up we would train the management uh, hire all the staff train the owners but as you drive away you know within three months six months management changes you know it's a it's a high turnover business typically uh, staff changes so we left them in great condition and within six months we would find that, you know, it was a brand new staff, uh, even, even accounting staff, you know, we would set up, we set up a, a profit and loss system, uh, a budget system, a pro forma system, and maybe bookkeeping would change, you know, or general manager would change. So we, we, we saw a need, you know, to, 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 to stay involved in some way. So our HGL book keeping, um, Part is underneath the umbrella of HJL hospitality. And when we, you know, we will do books, we'll do the profit and loss every week. We'll help them with their inventory um, at a really low cost. I and mean, then really it's just to stay involved and to, to maintain and look at their P and L's and offer advice. And so you take that a little bit further. Sorry, Will, did you have a question? No, no, no. I was just saying, okay, I'm tracking. Okay. So HDL, you know, hospitality is all, we also train and hire a general managers and management staff and bar managers, uh, kitchen managers, so that um, when someone is trying to source or find some of these higher positions, they, they know almost that they've been certified and trained and we can put them in place and then uh, 
you know, it's just a quicker process. So, uh, and then some properties find that they would like us to put our own staff in and manage, you know, the property. So that's, uh, that's really what HEL hospitality does is offer training, uh, you know, train professionals and oversight after we're gone, after we set up the business. Tell me about, okay, so I want to dive a little deeper into setting up the business and like what, so you had this, like the example you gave when you were in the, the parking lot and you had a call and you set up six restaurants for this gentleman in Santa Barbara in a year or two. What does that mean? Does this mean somebody has an idea for a restaurant, a general concept, and they need help with execution or tell me how, like who would, who would need your service and what would you do for them? That's a really great question, and I appreciate you asking. Uh, that's uh, what I think. Uh, what I know t- sets us apart from other restaurant and hospitality consulting groups. What we do uh, differently is that a lot of, t- uh, almost a hundred percent of the time, a, a person comes to us, a client, with a concept or an idea but it's not really fleshed out all the way. It's like, you know, I'd like to open a bakery or I'd like to open a coffee shop or a, a seafood restaurant or a nightclub hotel. You know, they'll, they'll come to us with these ideas, but not really have all of the details in place. You know, the, the logos, the websites, the branding, the marketing, the menus, the cocktail menus, the inventory, you know, all the, thousand things that happen uh, that need to happen just to bring the concept alive and into life. Uh, another thing that, that's so unique about our firm, if I could, if I could brag a little bit about ourselves is that we've done this so many times in so many cities that we, we can really help an owner um, with the permitting process, the health department, all the different government agencies that, that can get real tricky and and delay a project. And then finally uh, we work with, uh, you know, contractors, building contractors, uh, mainly with Wilco group that, that uh, a general contractor that we basically um, manage, uh, help manage the project along with this, with the contractor. So we see you all the way through. Uh, we build all of the training manuals. We build all of the, um, we hire, do all of the hiring, all of the training, the mock services to open the restaurant. And then stay, we stay about 30 days after complimentary after we've been hired to, to oversee and, and make little tweaks. So we really see you, you know, we help you bring the idea to life and then in practical terms, and then we execute the the tools and the the things that you'll need to open the business we oversee the permits the building the design architects all of it and then hire and train staff and make sure that you get open correctly and branding and marketing all along the way so so this uh, is it's really a one-stop shop is tip is this typically for would this be for first-time owners or owners that have a new concept Uh, or what's the mix it's for anybody that you know, it's a, it's a overwhelm. it really is an overwhel almost overwhelming amount of, um, of stuff that needs to happen to really create a successful brand. And so it's for anyone that, uh, you know, most of the people that have hired us have, have other concepts, but 
but remember maybe that it was painful, you know, or that they made mistakes and cost delays, which cost money, you know, and rent and other things like that after you've secured a location. So, um, you know, it's for anyone that needs help in any way, but we've also got um, specific departments like culinary, like bar, like bookkeeping, uh, operations, et cetera. So if you maybe just need a, uh, maybe a cocktail menu redesigned for the spring or the summer, we can come in and do that for you. Um, and make sure that the port cost is correct and give you a port cost workbook and all those kinds of things. So it's for anyone that needs, you know, that's just needs some extra help. What, um, what are some of the things that you like common misconceptions you think that people have that, you know, where they, they have an idea. I want to start a restaurant. I want to start a coffee shop, like you said, or, you know, um, a Mediterranean grill or whatever it is. So there's this, there's this gap I find a lot of times between the, the idea of owning a restaurant and the reality of owning a restaurant. Um, the idea is typically fairly glamorous. The reality is a lot of rolling up your sleeves and just hard ass work, right? <laughs> what, what, what do you yeah. say to people that come to you that have this idea to help them level set and get a reality check? You know, that you can help them obviously, and you guys do a great job with that, but then what do they need to be philosophically and fundamentally just aware of as to what, what the reality of the you know next X number of years of their life is like? Um, cause even with your help, I mean, particularly the first few years, it's often hard to get going. It's there's starts and stops. There's hurdles you hadn't thought of. There's just the fact that it just takes a while to develop a core customer base. Like what kinds of, what are those kinds of conversations that you have with people? Another really great question. Uh, well, it, it is, you're right. It's a very tough business. And very little of it is glamorous. Um, and I think that's really, you know, how many people have you met, Will, that say, you know, I'd love to open a restaurant someday or I'd love to open a bar. Almost, I, almost everybody I, I run into thinks it's a, a really fun business uh, and they'd like to have their name over a door, you know. So a lot of times it's um, a vanity project or, or for glamour uh, for a place that for their friends. But the reality is it's seven days a week, you know, pretty much 20 hours a day, um, unless you, you really set up good systems to, so, so that you can manage the restaurant and it doesn't manage you. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the, those are misconceptions. It is also a really great business. And if you do set it up correctly, you, you've got to build in time to be creative, to get away. You've got to get, I mean, for any business that you're in, you know, you got to get away to, to get, a, to gain perspective and to, um, and to bring back your best self and your best ideas to the business. And that's how it really survives. So you've got to set yourself up correctly. And a lot of times it's like a, uh, a wild horse, you know, once, once you decide to open those doors, you, you, you uh, it just takes off and it's bucking and it's going in all these different directions. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a handle on it before you, you know, it's not trained <laughs> before you open the, the gate, uh, you're in trouble because you just can't find the time. And I think a lot of restaurant owners, um, you know, that's, uh, they have a hard time with the, the time management. It just, 
just be, just because it's so tough. It's, you know, so many things happen every day. Mm-hmm. So, um, being prepared, you know, I can't state enough, uh, before you open the doors or even if you're already open, you've opened the doors to look at, have somebody come in with a new perspective, fresh eyes and, and, and see if there's ways, there's opportunities to, to make it a little bit easier on you and run a little more efficiently. Um, did I answer your question? No, I'm sorry. you did. No, you totally did. I just, I, you see that a lot, um, in this business, people that, you know, there's the idea and then there's a the reality. I mean, heck, I used to think I wanted to open a restaurant until I started working on that book and talking to you guys all these years ago. And I thought, well, if I do, I, I better, uh, I need to, I need to think through a lot more things, but, um, you really need to, uh, there are conversations, you know, that I do have to really answer your question. What I've, what we've over the last few years, um, I have a rule. If, if you're opening the new concept or if you want to hire us at all, we, we have to build a, we, uh, a pro forma for you, a restaurant pro forma or bar or hotel. So we build, we basically, uh, and I've built hundreds of them uh, with every different kind of concept. So I know the concept, I, I'm a real numbers guy with restaurants. So I know, I can almost feel, you know, how many people you're going to have on a Monday, depending on what your concept is. Um, and what the per person average is. And we build these pro restaurant pro formas on paper before you spend a dime. And going through that process with a new owner or even a, an owner that's already open, uh, going through and really evaluating their labor, their food costs, all of their expenses, their overhead, what their daily break-even is going to be, what days they lose money, what days they make money, um, when we go through that process of building a pro forma with the owner, uh, you know, it, that, uh, separates sometimes the, uh, you know, the reality versus the fantasy. Um, you know, the, it becomes real to them. So we will, like I said, we won't start a project now without building that pro forma because we really want them to know and understand what it's going to take. And it's a real sobering experience, but it's also a very empowering experience because the, the pro formas hit within 1%. And this is a true figure. I'm always within 1% of what we, what we forecast. So the meaning the restaurants pretty much do what we put down on, on the on the workbook on the pro forma that's impressive man that seems like such a challenge to me just because i don't know enough about it but trying to sit down and figure out how okay in this location with this concept this many tables this much you know whatever this is it's one thing to understand what your cost might be but understanding the volume you might do i mean that's a that's a big deal. speaking of volume what about uh we talked years ago about volume versus margins. Tell me, tell me about can that. I, can I answer that real quickly, though, before you ask that question? Yeah, yeah. Here, here's, the, here's what I do. Uh, I, I, uh, I know what – I've done so many of these. I know and I've studied this business for 30 years now. So I, know, I really know, you know what a Monday or Tuesday look like versus a Friday, Saturday, or Thursday, et cetera. And it depends on the location, but – I will be, I go conservative on sales. I go conservative on per person average and I go high on expenses, Hmm. meaning, you know, for pre-opening expenses and and operating expenses, I I, I go two or 3% high. So what typically happens is 
we build a really good operating system and train the people well, and then they they bring those costs down. And if the training is right and everything else, the the because I've been conservative on my numbers, we usually you know look they look like a hero. The owner looks like a hero because they're actually able to to, to uh, build you know five percent on the sales that I project. So that's how it balances out, um, and and comes out looking good. Well, let me ask you one more thing about that. I don't that. do pie in the sky. Dream, no, I'm you know? sure you don't. And, but the pro forma also it seems to me that if you've got a if you've got something specific, other than just let's go, you know, work hard and do the best we can. When you've got numbers on paper like that, you anchor to that, and then you can work off of that. So, sort of like your your story about, uh, you know, going from low two millions to three million that one year in sales you had a number when you have a number you're shooting for you're able to make tweaks and changes and think about okay if this is what we got to get how do we get there if we're not tracking to it what do we need to change to get there what things do we need to do Do we need to do a happy hour or what do we what can we add to help us get there so that seems like a really really valuable critical piece if you're getting right. started in the business, which obviously I know you agree with, but that really hit home with me listening to you talk about that. You need, whatever business you run and operate, you need a uh, budget, an operating budget. You just do. You know, it's your roadmap or your pro forma, which, well, you know, for the new business, we'll take that pro forma and that becomes their, fr- and then extend that. It's a five-year pro forma or five-year forecast is what we build. But we take that first year and we extend that. Uh, out, you know, as an operating budget, but, uh, you know, and then uh, you, you need to share with your management team, the, the weekly profit and loss. So you need three things, a pro forma, a budget and a weekly profit and loss. And the weekly prof, the operating budget is your roadmap, right? To where you want to weekly profit and loss is your report card. You know, how, how, do we, and I, you know, I, you have your operating budget in one column and your, you, what you actually did in another and the variance so that you can, you know, you can correct yourself if you went over in labor and, or you went over in your food cost. You can correct yourself every single week. And the weekly part is, is key. You know, a monthly is too late. You know, you're six weeks out by the time you get that, PM, that uh, profit and loss for that month and it's too late to make any changes. So you really need uh, to operate because it's a pennies game for the mm. restaurant business. You know, it's your the national average is 3% profit. I mean, it's just almost ludicrous, you know, so to get to 10 to 12 cents to 15 cents profit on every dollar that comes in, you really need to have tools in place and proper training. So, um, you know, the, it's your roadmap. Like I said, you, you have to have, goals. And another thing I would really recommend, Will, on that point is uh, I'll use Hurry Curry of Tokyo, uh, this little place in West L.A. that just has a cult following, just amazing curry. If you're ever in West L.A., you got to check it out. Japanese curry place. Um, 35 seats, I believe, something like that. They were doing about 700000 a year. And they, they had a gap between 1 o'clock and 6 o'clock. No one came in. So uh, that's one thing I do too is I analyze where where are the opportunities like you just mentioned a moment ago, where can we find sales and so you know that's a tough time for every restaurant business right nobody people just don't their eating habits you know you typically eat in the middle of the day unless they're on vacation so but 
what we decided we were right next to UCLA is let's, let's build a happy hour. So everything was half off and we did smaller portions. Uh, and then we created these, you know, these mocktails, you know, that were kind of fun and martini glasses. We ended up packing the place. Then we'd get the normal lunch business, the normal dinner business. And then we also did a late night happy hour. So we'd get them in again at, you know, the college students after nine o'clock. But we ended up in one year doubling, and I'm not, these are factual numbers. We went to 1.5 in one year, you know, by filling in that dead spot. Yeah. Kind of like focusing on locals rather than, you know, tourists. And, you know, just look at your, analyze your sales and see where there are opportunities and uh, during the day. And then try to find and design something around that that can, can uh, you know, add sales to your, to your day or, to, you know. Again, Enterprise Fish Company, Mondays and Tuesdays, always slow for every restaurant. So we did lobster for twenty nine ninety five on Mondays and Tuesdays. We did a one point five pound. It's still going, and it, and we would you know we went from two thousand three thousand dollars of sales to nine to ten grand every mm-hmm. single Monday Tuesday. You know, it just you just look for opportunity and then create something that's fun and exciting and different in your area. Reasons to be there, man. That's really awesome. Um, God, that's incredible to double sales like that in a year. So, but it, it underscores that point. There's, there's, there's always opportunities, and it's probably hard a lot of times for owners. Just why you guys are good at what you do and successful, but it's probably hard a lot of times for owners. Like you said, that when you started as a busboy, you came in early on, and you've just never. Like you said, never been. You're never comfortable in a restaurant, or you're never satisfied. Like you're always looking for ways to improve. But <laughs> owners, a lot of times, yeah. are just in the middle of everything. It's hard to find those opportunities. Probably no, I, uh, and I. It's totally that way. It's you. you be, it starts to run you. You know, and, and I. I don't care how good you are. Um, if you're actually operating the restaurant, you know, I operated a restaurant uh, for three years, and and even. You know, even I got my head went underwater at points, you know, because it just starts to manage you. And so even with the best laid plans, you need to have, you know, the best operating materials, you know, if you don't have them, you know, if you don't have those materials in place or the properly trained staff, it's just going to almost become unmanageable. And before you know it, I mean, that's why these shows, uh, are so popular where these restaurants are just, you know, they're over, the owners are overwhelmed. It ruins their family relationships and, and, um, you know, and they're in debt. It's because it's the reality actually more often than not. So, um, you really owe yourself to get set up. If you're thinking of opening a restaurant, you, you should look at, um, you know, hiring somebody in your area or hire, hiring us, if you'd like, to help you set it up properly because you need every advantage you can get in the business. Um, you mentioned earlier service is a lost art. Tell me about that. Well, how often do you go out and really go home and say, that was amazing? I mean, you know, from the grocery store to the gas station to a restaurant, um, it feels like because margins are so tight, mm. labor, you know, is going up, especially here in California. Um, the, you know, the labor, 
it's just harder and harder to to make money. Um, training seems to be the first thing that goes out and gets thrown out, you know, because it does require labor and time and effort uh, and consistency, you know, in proper training. And then also, I think hiring is so important, as we discussed in that chapter many years ago in your book. You know, the the high, you've got to start with the right person and the right, you know, that has the right personality and the drive and the energy and that cares about service. You know, because I can train and you can train anybody, but if you don't have the, the right type of person that's right for the business, then um, none of that training is going to matter. So it, I just feel like it's a lost art that, you know, how many, I, I feel like I, I'm usually the one that says thank you as I hand my money over and the person doesn't even look me in the eye and thank me. You no, know, you're, you're right. I mean, business. to answer your question, it's rare. And so when I find it, or when we find it, my family and I, we latch onto those places uh, because it is so rare. So you're kind of surprised when you have greats, which is actually the good thing about that, though. Um, I mean, we find this with Schedule Fly as well. I feel like it's not just in the restaurant business. It's in every industry just about. So the, the great thing about that, though, is uh, as a you know as a business owner, if you make that a really central part of your culture, then you give yourself a huge advantage because by and large, your competitors are not doing that. Uh, so if you're, if you're, if you excel in service, it's like, if you just, you know, I mean, the the bar is so low these days that if you excel in service, it blows people away because it's so unexpected that all of a sudden you've got a, you know, practically a darn customer for life. Right. I mean, it's right. You're totally right. You know, and, and, um, if you focus, it, it put, it gives you an edge, and an advantage that that most of the places out there don't have. And it should never be something I, I have to convince uh, owners to do set up proper training programs more than I have to convince them of anything else. And I always wonder why that is. And I know it's a labor issue, but your, your return on your, on that training investment is tenfold, you know, if, if not more, I mean, use the enterprise fish company in the, Curry Curry is an example how, and even Santa Monica seafood, you know, we had the fish cutters that sit behind these big counters and cut up your fish and package it up had been there 20 years or so. And I started to train them on, uh, we started to have wine, uh, training classes after the shifts and, and what type of wine to pair with the fish that these uh, people are picking up and taking home. You know, have you tried this? This goes great with this fish. And these guys, we were, you know, uh, older Latino gentlemen who had never had that type of training and they just latched to it, you know, and they just, they loved it. They loved learning about the wine and then suggesting and we sold so much more wine because these guys, you know, had a new skill. They learned a new skill and they, tra- and they were excited about it. And the customer was just blown away. You know, we get, we get a little, basically a fish cutting sommelier. <laughs> so awesome. there are so many ways, you know, to, to, to improve and service should be a, a, a huge focus. I mean, those people are that are your serve, service staff are on the front lines and they are representing your business and they should have all of the tools, all of the training uh, available to, to properly promote your business, no matter what business you're in. So you're right. You know, if you focus on customer service and um, 
and just happy, energetic staff that's well-trained and knows what they're talking about and knows, you know, what, what you're, they're selling for you, you're going to benefit. And by the way, well, you guys are really great uh, at schedule fly. Uh, you know, it's one reason I've, I send everyone to you that we, that we come across. It's, you know, there are other scheduling software companies out there, but you guys do an amazing job. And you, you, you know, if I email anyone, you guys are back to me within, you know, a couple minutes. So that's, that doesn't happen very often in my daily life. And when you find these businesses like yours that do it well, I'm, uh, I stick with you. I'm loyal to you and all of your, you know, look at how, how much you've grown. You know, it, it it's just a perfect underscore and, and a, it proves our point perfectly that just take care of people, take care of your customers and, uh, you'll be rewarded. Yeah, man. Uh, you didn't have to say that. I'd appreciate that, but it is, it's important to us and it's, uh, but it, it really does. Well, you, you said it, you know, you tend to stick with companies that, um, that do that because it is so rare these days and you just, you, you notice it and you appreciate it. But let me ask you this. So, um, one thing I hear a lot of, and you, you mentioned, you touched on this, you know, we've talked before about the importance of being patient and waiting and hiring the right person, you know, whether they have, like you said, you can train them to serve or tend bar, but they've got to have that, that personality of wanting to serve people and to enjoy and appreciate the value of serving people. Um, I hear very often that those people are becoming harder and harder to find these days. Is that something that you see as well? Uh, Having a hard time finding professional people that want to be in the business. Is that what was the question? I'm sorry. Hiring people that have that, that characteristic of wanting to serve people, of appreciating the value of serving people. In other words, is it is it harder these days to find really good people to work in restaurants than maybe it was a decade ago or two decades ago or whatever when you got into the business? Well, it really is. It's uh, the restaurant business is changing r- really rapidly in a lot of ways. You know, from automation to to kiosks to you know to just ordering online and the delivery and just you know the the. The, the hospitality person, career person, is harder to find. And, and I think that, you know, gen, every generation, usually you're, you're relying on the, you know, the college age kid, right? Um, or the, you know, the, the first time job or someone that's, you know, it, it's a, it's a part time job for almost everybody. So commitment sometimes is just not there. So yes, it's very hard. And that's why HGL hospitality is becoming such a popular service because we source and hire and train, you know, people for you and then, or screen them for you. But, uh, it's such a great career, you know, for someone that I, I just, I, I think it falls on the owner and the management to, to train and hire properly, even if even if you're hiring a part-time person that doesn't really care, if you inspire them, if you give them, um, you know, a purpose, and and at the end of the day, you thank them for a good job, you start to find that that loyalty and that passion, maybe someone didn't think they would ever have for the restaurant business, like like me, for instance. Um, I didn't want to be in the restaurant business; I wanted to be in the film business, but I. I got inspired by the training and, and, 
and you know the positive experience. I also think it's a, a real honor to serve you a meal out of your lifetime. You know, uh, and if you can convey all of these different the different reasons you went into the business to your staff, you'll have you'll reduce training uh, turnover. But yeah, to, I mean to get back to your first question, it's tough to find good people. In the restaurant business, it always has. It has been for the last 15 or so years, but I think it's getting a lot harder. Um, and then if you, you know, the, I, I read a, a statistic that the, the um, training, average training right now for a restaurant is about, cost is about 2200 bucks to a, to a restaurant owner. Mm-hmm. So if you make the wrong decision, if you, if you, you know, don't really hire rights, if you, don't pay attention to that interview and give it the respect it deserves with that person. Um, you know, it could cost you if someone comes in and you train them for a couple, you know, a couple thousand dollars, not to mention workers comp and sales ta- uh, employee taxes and all those things. And they go and they're gone in three months. You may have lost, you know, $10,000 very quickly on a, on one person. Uh, so it's really important to, Again, I keep stressing, interview correctly, get the right person if you can, and then from there, train them and inspire them and, and uh, give them all the tools they need. You know, It's just good for business all around. Yeah. You know, I talked to somebody recently, which is really interesting because you know, there's, this, there's this kind of prevailing ubiquitous idea that millennials – don't want to work hard or, you know, don't want to work to earn their stripes, uh, which you see a lot of, I I think. But what this person said is true. Also though, what you, what, what the good thing about millennials is, uh, they don't put up with anything, you know, like, so through the history of the restaurant business, it was a lot of, you know, yelling and people throwing pans across the kitchen, you know, whatever. And now they, uh, they just say, meh, I'm not a, I'm not up for that. And they move on quickly. Um, is that something you've seen? Does it does a restaurant business have to change from a, a management perspective? And I think I'm hearing that from you because you're talking about inspiring people and helping them understand why you love the business. To me, that's the kind of thing that gets somebody excited versus, uh, you know, I'm the boss, you know, go clean those dishes, do what I say kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh yeah, that you couldn't be more right. They, the millennials will walk and I don't blame them because, you know, look at everything that's happened, uh, in the last year, uh, in Hollywood, you know, and, and business across the United States and the world, you know, it, it, people have been, you don't need to uh, berate or, or tear down your employees. Um, it's uh, because they do something wrong. It should be the, just the opposite. You know, again, I hate to complain about going out and getting bad service, and I won't usually, like most people. I'd rather catch them doing something right, you know, that old saying. Um, And the same with your employees. If you inspire them and you build them up, and even if they make mistakes, you know, those are opportunities for you as an owner or manager to train them properly. Every day should be a training day. Every day they should learn something new. Every moment's a teaching moment, and you know they come in, they don't know, so uh, they're not, they don't know what you're thinking. So it's up to you to give them the tools. If they're doing something wrong, that's really actually a, a reflection, usually on you as an owner or manager. It's hard to hear that, I'm sure, but that's true. 
And uh, here's a great story about the millennial generation that I read. The banks, uh, Citibank, Wells Fargo, all these big banks were having a real hard time finding tellers, right? So what they, what Citibank proposed, I believe it was City or maybe it was Chase, um, they will pay, uh, the millennials wanted to do something that made an impact in their life and in the world, right? That's really important to them. And by the way, I love how they've changed the, the fast food industry and the, and the uh, you know, the sourcing better food and uh, GMOs and all these things. And they just won't put up with it. It's changed the hospitality and the food industry in a good way. But so back to the bank, uh, Chase, I, I'm, I'm actually sure this Chase now first started this and I think everybody else has jumped on board, but they will bring, if you, if you sign up with them for two years, they will pay an entire, I think it's seven months for you to go off and do something, you know, work with doctors about borders or build homes or whatever it is that you, that they care about to them personally, but they've got to come back and, and put in time, but they pay their salary to go, to go out and do something and make an impact on the world. And a story you, you touched on this, well, a story, you know, every, every business now over the last five to 10 years is you've got to have your story, right? Everybody's sure. got their story and their, and what matters to them. If it's a, you know, if they're giving back to some non to, a, you know, to a charity or, Tom's shoes, you buy one shoe, you get one goes to another person that needs one, you know, that kind of thing. It's a story has become so ingrained, I think, in, um, in everybody's uh, perception of a business that you've got to have that. So if you take that a little bit further, the, you know, the millennials understanding them or, or even this gener- these generations right now that are in the hospitality industry, tell your story, make sure they understand the story and and you were inspired for some reason to open the, your restaurant or your bar. And there's got to be a pretty good story behind that. If I know what that story is as your employee and I, I start to care about what you care about and I go out and talk about that story. So, yeah, for sure. you know, best way to keep them is to, to, to have them really understand, you know, what the business is about and then enforce that daily. You know, it can't just be a story. It has to be, they have to see you, living that story and believing in that story or otherwise, you know, you're just, you just got a story to try to get people and dollars in the door, you know, and then that's flat. Yeah. Authenticity is key. And you're right. I think stories are, uh, you know, if you're, I mean, stories get people there. Um, but your job is to execute on that authentic story and, and make it feel real, uh, because it is, so that your employees and your customers will want to be a part, you know, it's, you're creating a, a tribe. I mean, that's what we're doing is creating tribes, right? With these, uh, right. with our customers by sharing our story and why we do what we do and having, and being clear to ourselves about what we do and why we do it. And, and knowing that that will attract the right kind of customer, uh, whether it's in the restaurant business or in our business or any business and, uh, trying to just execute on that every day so that, you know, the right customers will find you. Um, and, I really like that. And philosophy. your tribe, yeah, your tribe will add so much. I mean, look at well, your tribe uh, will sure carry your got, story outward. That's right. Your tribe will carry it word of mouth. You can have a great PR firm and do tons of PR, but if you don't, that'll get people there. But if if the story's not authentic and you're not executing on it, you know, you're constantly just trying to get people there. Versus, I'd rather have people coming back all the time and then sharing that story. Right. 
organically, right? Exactly. And, you know, one thing that I, I have always, it's hard to convince a lot of owners for because it could, it can lead to problems, but, you know, staff uh, really have a good um, employee meal program with your staff. And, and I encourage you to offer some sort of discount to a, to another family member or friends uh, when they bring them in, you know, and encourage your staff to, to come in and drink and eat your food because they, uh, it becomes their place and then it becomes their, their 20 friends place. You know, they let's go there afterward. Yeah. As long as it, you know, there are certain rules in place where it's not affecting your regular customers, you know, on those off hours, encourage your staff to try your food, encourage, you know, um, get them to really love the place mm-hmm. as much as you do. And, and you're right. They'll bring, I mean, back <laughs> going back to enterprise fish company and all of my restaurants, all the staff that became their hangout, you know, their place. And they were always respectful and anybody that wasn't, you know, was, was not allowed to come in, but they were, they came in as customers and then they became some of the best customers. Well, when you see that too, as a customer, you know, to underscore that, that's one of the places I go to, I go like, three to five days a week to this breakfast place and uh service is great consistent food is consistent everything's consistent uh and the service is fantastic but you all I always see staff you know that i often will see them working there and then i see they're on they're there on their off day or whatever which just signals something meaningful um right for sure well um dude jeremiah man this is Awesome. Um, I'm going to let you go because I know you're a busy guy. We could probably talk for another hour or two. But um, I really appreciate the time. You've given just like mountains of really great advice for people. And I know anybody that listens to this will have just tons of things to think about. Probably listen more than once. Take notes. Um, where uh, Where can people find you? Well, Will, uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Again, it's a real honor. I admire what you guys do. You and your team is just amazing. And, uh, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that lightly. You guys are really great. You can find me at Jeremiah. So it's spelled J E R E M I A H at H J L Higgins, Jones, Liebfried restaurant advisors.com. Or uh, at the JeremiahShow.com if you're a restaurant owner and you'd like to come on the show, uh, give me a call or give me uh, send me an email. We'd love to have you on our radio show, which is um, you know a hospitality business and and all the fascinating people that come through a restaurant. Uh, and then my website is hjlrestaurantadvisors.com or the JeremiahShow.com. Awesome, awesome man. Uh, Jeremiah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I know it's really hot out there in California right now, so I hope it cools down. But uh, uh, Probably not as hot as it is with, with you. You guys are pretty warm out there, aren't you, usually in the Midwest there? Uh, well, <laughs> in, yeah, in the South we get, you know, we, we get that wonderful humidity. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of used to it. We're slow anyway, so it just slows you down a little bit more. We, we have to sit around and relax a lot in the summer. But, man, I uh, – <laughs> I admire your energy. I admire your passion for the business, your approach to really, you know, finding ways to make the business even more successful. Some that already are and just make them even more successful. So it's really just your mind is uh, working fast and, and creative. And it's, it's a great thing to, to, to listen to you 
tell us some of these stories. So uh, thank you, man, a lot. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. And uh, thank you. I, I well, really appreciate it. Thank you for those nice words. All right, man. Uh, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, thank take you. Care. Bye.